0: Embrace the rebels within us and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I, uh, I want to start today by talking about something that like pissed me off yesterday. I I was working on something or doing something. I don't even remember the context. And somebody was like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. And I just made actually an Instagram little story about this. But I was like, that is the dumbest phrase I have ever heard. And we use this phrase all the time. I hear it on TV. I hear it in like dating. I hear it in business. What does it mean? You can't have your cake and eat it too. Like, what the fuck are you supposed to do with the cake if you can't eat it? First of all, like, that's just like (laughs) literal. But then metaphorically speaking, what's the interpretation here that like you actually can't have what you want? You actually can't have all of what you want that like if you live a life, you have to pick and choose like, oh, if I get the partner I want, they're going to be a jerk. I can't have like a partner that I want and them be great to me or I can't have the job that I want and it be a great job and pay me good money and I enjoy it. Or, you know, like I can't travel to a country that I want and have a good experience. I don't know what the intention is, but it it like struck me so hard and I never paid attention to it before. As one of these ideas that are like limiting and 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 like pushing people down, the first thing that hit me about it was like, oh, this is one of those things that like, if I lead a good life and a great life, oh, other people might feel bad about their life. Instead of thinking, wait, what if I live a great life and it actually inspires people to live a better life? Like, why does it have to have this this limitate, this limiting, small, negative connotation? Instead of flipping it and having it. Yeah, no, you can have your cake and eat the whole fucking thing by yourself if you want. <laughs> so I, I'm it made me think of all the phrases and all and, and there's tons of them and I'm not going to go into them, but to pay attention to like the language we use, the phrasing we use. And do we talk and relate to each other in ways that's actually supportive of the life we want to live? Or do we like repeat these habits and these patterns that are limiting, that keep us small, whether it be for the sake of other people's feelings. I'm not saying we should go out and hurt other people, like hurt other people's feelings or not care. But of course we, I think we don't do enough caring about other people, but me living my best life and enjoying living my best life could be looked at as actually serving other people by inspiration. And if I can do better, then I can help other people do better. I heard the other day a great thing. It was like, hey, poverty or um, uh, money doesn't buy happiness, but poverty doesn't buy shit. I think that was from Rene LaClaude who was on this podcast a long time ago. And it's true, it's like, don't feel bad about making money. Take the money and go help people with it. Don't feel bad about having a successful business. Give people jobs, treat them well, give them jobs that they love. Um, you know, don't feel bad about being in a relationship that makes you happy and excited. Like go inspire other people that aren't in relationships about what a relationship could be. So I'm going to leave I'm going to leave my little rant right there. So <laughs> go have your cake, eat the whole damn thing. Um, I'm going to introduce you to our guest. Um. I feel very proud of myself right now because I, I was able to pronounce his name. And if you listen to this show on a regular basis, you know, that is like my kryptonite. But Mo Sisei, welcome is, to the Dream Mason podcast. I want to tell people a little bit about you before you even jump in here. You're the founder and CEO and creative director of Merakai Allure. It's a fashion clothing company. Um, I love, love, love the name. Uh, it's a Greek word that means to do something with love. I think that's inspiring it's beautiful it's creative you are uh, originally from west africa west africa guinea to be specific you yeah. moved here i think as a teenager um you didn't speak english when you came here um, yeah. you yeah. built a company um you're continuing to build a company you you've been a personal stylist um you're doing something impressive right now that's on the DL that we can't talk about yet. Um, but you're up to some cool things. You're fat. I looked at your some of the clothes you've designed. Um, they're beautiful. It looks like you do incredible work. I have. I can't say I've had the opportunity to wear them or know what they are in person, but it looks fantastic. Uh, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast. How are you?
1: Thank you for having me, Alex. I appreciate it, man. Um it's definitely been a journey, but I'm sure you can relate to that as an entrepreneur yourself. So, but it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thanks. Tell me, so, so, so you just heard me rant about cake and eating all the cake and, and, and what, what what do you get when you hear that? I don't know if you've, I'm sure you've heard that,
1: Yeah, you know,
0: that, that phrase. Um, yeah. What do you
1: think about what I, what I just said? Absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, the first thing is as an, as an immigrant, there's a lot of sayings like that in America that I still don't understand.
0: <laughs> like, do you Personally. know, do you know one or two of them by like that you can think of off the top of your
1: head? Ah, uh, let me see. Um, it's just a lot of it to me. My initial reaction is when I heard you uh, talk about this one specifically is that it's uh, the difference between people that believe in scarcity and people that believe in abundance, and when you have a culture that's either fear-based or um, scarcity-driven, I can see where that saying becomes very popular because people are always um, in fear maybe someone will take advantage of them or something happened in the past. And, you know, know as a professional coach that there's a lot of people that are still carrying things from their childhood or from when they were back in school that they still haven't resolved yet or even worse, Subconsciously, they don't even realize it's still affecting them as adults. I mean, even I went through it as, as an immigrant myself because I was bullied when I first came to the U.S. in sixth grade. I didn't know that that shit was carrying and following me all the way to college mm-hmm. until later on and then started digging deeper and realized that it affected even my relationships at the time. So long story short, when I hear you talk about it, it definitely makes sense to me why it kind of piss you off. But at the same time, um, I'm understanding a little bit what might be at the source of it, which may be just people thinking about, you know, thinking in scarcity mindset instead of abundance. Because when you truly believe in that, you know, um, that's probably one of the reasons why some people are, are always, always just um, um, super competitive. There's a good way to be competitive as a, as a professional athlete. But when you're always out to get more than the other person or even around your friends or family members, that's also part of the scarcity mindset. So anyways, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far, but I I love it. I That's what what it makes me think about. I love what you just said, too, like something that I've
0: started to think about is Mm
1: -hmm.
0: sometimes when we compete against other people, it's like a tug war. Like I have to take what they have. Mm -hmm. And often it's it's a. I want to say it's like one of the weaknesses of capitalism, right? Yes. Is sometimes you in for me to get more, I'm taking from others, and on the on the flip side of this, we could say stick with capitalism or competitive sports. It doesn't actually have to be viewed at like that. It could be mm-hmm. I'm competing against myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of me taking from others, it could be I'm competing against myself to get the best results for myself. Mm -hmm. And in that I'm making it better for others. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's a it's a slight twist of like the dial or the mindset. But if I'm my own competition. And then I'm paving a path based on that, well, then other people can walk down that path or I can show other people how to walk down that path. but if I'm yeah. like trying to knock other people off the path while i'm doing it exactly it kind of, it, it it the same conversation can be viewed at in two different ways
1: mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely
0: um yeah. you know you you touched on like coming to America in sixth grade as an immigrant um mm-hmm. And I I often joke that sixth grade seventh grade and eighth grade were like the highlight role of my life. Like while, mo- while most kids were um were going through an awkward period for some reason, I was just like, you know, that was that was like my prime for whatever. It's been downhill since eighth grade, basically. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a so long funny. slow downhill. But I can't imagine, you know, like what it would have been like to come to a completely new country. And obviously you're not the only one. There's millions of people that experience this, especially as a child in like a a period of time where kids are already like bullies Mm -hmm. and kids are already jerks to each other. They're trying to figure out their own stuff. Right. And then you come and it's like, when you come as an immigrant, And you're in that phase, it's like kids have like, it's just, it's like more ammo, right? They just have more stuff to work with. Oh, yeah. Um, What was it like to be, like, do you remember what it felt like to be in your shoes as a kid and experience that? Like, clearly you're different, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. what was that
1: like? Man, uh, so the project that we'll be talking about next time you and I connect again, um, part of 2020 was the first time that Alex, for the first time, I really honestly took the holistic perspective of my life. You know, I literally took my life apart and just generalized and took and really figure out that, oh, if that thing didn't had happened, this wouldn't have happened, you know, versus looking at my life just in these segments of things that just randomly happened. You know, so I say that to say that that sixth, sixth that sixth grade experience was actually now. I'm looking at it as such a great fundamental aspect of what my six success level is now and to come. What I mean by that is, um, you know, this already as an entrepreneur is that a lot of our successes come outside of our comfort zone, you know? So for me to be uncomfortable and learn to embrace change, even at a young age like that was really powerful, but trust me, I didn't like it at first. You know, um, when the sixth grade challenges were happening, I was learning English cold turkey because where I'm from, French is our first language. And so I had never taken a class of uh, English before. So having to deal with that, it was a complete shock. But I'm grateful because at least I went to a small private school that my sister and brother fought strongly to help me get there. They worked extra hours just to afford to help me go to that private school. And Alex, sometimes my teacher will feel so bad for me because I took three different city buses to go to the school all the way in downtown. And he would literally feel bad for me sometimes and give me a ride home. So look at all these interesting things that the universe or God, whatever you believe in, that does for you when you're dealing with these challenges. Because the challenges back then were so challenging, I will call my sister and tell her that I wanted to go back home. and she'll literally tell me like listen i hear you it sucks but just give it a year if you don't like it after a year we'll take you back home and of course you know how it is you start making friends you start to adapt and you start to have a crush on some girl you know and then you stick around but the truth is in that moment i wanted to leave and that moment that was the most uncomfortable shit i've ever done in my life because here i was being called things that I never heard in my life. I didn't even know what some of these words meant that they were calling me at the time. Here I was not feeling welcome at all. Here I was for the first time feeling like black being Black was a challenge because being back home, I never thought that being Black was a challenge. <laughs> you know, all these different internal battles. And then fast forward, now I look at it as one of the greatest gifts because I actually found my old teacher on Facebook recently And I just been trying to just give this man massive, massive gratitude because he didn't have to give me a ride to home. Sometimes he didn't have to be that kind, but he kept me from getting into fights and uh, I'll be forever grateful for that experience. Um, But I guess sometimes, you know, you just need time uh, for things to sink in so you can appreciate it. But in that moment, yeah, (laughs) it was crazy.
0: Yeah. You know, it has to be, I've learned a lot about trauma in the last like couple, I want to say the last year, last two years. And one of the things I got to learn about it is sometimes really terrible things happen to us, which is traumatic. And sometimes, you know, like a girl rejecting you in June in sixth grade is your trauma, right? There's no, there's <laughs> it's it's from like a chat for trauma that happens to us is it's subjective. It's not mm-hmm. the same thing for everyone, and it's it's really simply having an experience that's like terrifying or shocking or, mm-hmm. or or like rattles your immune system and your 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 um let's say your heart, your brain. It scares you. Um, Literally, there there isn't like a one size fits all. Um, which was really hard for me to get because I was like, oh, I don't have any trauma. Like I never, you know, I don't have. And then when I got to learn, it was like, oh, we all do. We all have, right. Of course I got made fun of at some point, even if it was by my buddies, right? Like, (laughs) of course, my parents disciplined me in a way that at some point did felt like the scariest thing in the world. Of course, I, you know, I, I I saw something scary happen that wasn't even Mm -hmm. associated with me. And one of the things that I, I'm, I'm leading up to a question for you, but is that as what I've noticed is the more that I've gone back and done work to clean, mm-hmm. to like heal those areas, the easier, more fun, more fulfilling, more successful my life keeps becoming right. Like mm-hmm. it's like the success keeps getting easier to accomplish the more I kind of clean up the stuff from the past. And I think a lot Mm. of, especially men don't realize that men are like, Mm. put your head down and run through a wall, (laughs) do more work harder where it's like, you could, it doesn't have to be that way, but I'm, I'm, so I'm curious for you, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure other things have happened to you, but have you done any of that work? Like to look and like, go, you know, you said you had this like holistic kind of awareness, waking up about your life. Yeah. Like, have you had to kind of go and like heal some of those things that probably happened to you from just, you know, I'm sure there were more than just coming to a new country. But what you just mm-hmm. described, right, being made fun of called words that you didn't even know what they were, you know, mm-hmm. have you done work Abs- around that?
1: Absolutely. Um, it, there's a lot of those milestones in my life, for sure. But I'll, I'll be honest that the first milestone was in college because because of that bullying that happened in sixth grade, I didn't realize that it led me to basically hide a part of my identity. Because I spoke French, I started to tell people, hide the fact that I was African. I would just tell people that I was French instead. One of the biggest fallacies of my entire life was that. Because I was like, man, I'm not gonna get bullied again. Although I was, you know, I find a way to justify, I'm like, oh, no, it's not really a lie because my country is colonized by France, blah, blah, blah. You know, I justified it, you know, but not realizing that it was really a profound fallacy that followed me all the way to college and affected one of my um, uh, greatest relationships that I had back then. That I dated someone for almost five years, and it took me three years for me to fully tell her that I was actually African because she accidentally found my passport. <laughs> you know, so that's milestone number one is like, why are you hiding yourself? Like where you're from is beautiful. Your culture is profound, it's responsible for so many different things. I mean, so many of the natural resources in the world now, including diamonds, are because of Africa. You know, like take pride in your culture. So that's step one. And step two was. Um, really believing that there wasn't anything wrong with me, but also that I could truly go after what I believed in, you know, I thought that success was possible for other people, you know, but I didn't really know that it was possible for me. You know, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Of course, Alex can be successful. Of course, you know, he's American. He's a good looking guy, but what about these other, you know, what about myself, you know, and that took some time. And then the next milestone was, was like, okay, man, You've been dabbling in this. You're about to turn 30. I'm currently 35. You know, time is you're wasting time. I had lost one of my closest uh, friends at the time. He was in his sixties. And that to me was one of the waking moments because it was literally someone I saw every day and passed away when I was 29. And it made me like, okay, stop. What are you taking for granted? What are you now going all in? And, and then That was the birth of my business, what it is now. And um, we officially launched Meraki Allure in um, in 2016 and kind of started it in 2015. So to answer your question more deeply for now, now that I know that I can be, I can be um, my enemy sometimes, or I can self-sabotage. So I just put daily routines into place. Every single day to make sure that I'm checking myself, whether it's meditation, whether it's prayer, whether it's working out consistently. So I'm just putting things into place now on a daily basis to make sure that that shit doesn't happen again. Um, Because it's already costed me a lot of my time in my life previously. So, and while you're speaking, you were talking earlier before you asked me this question. I had a visual of it, especially for us as human beings, almost like. a hose, a tunnel, you know, the more crap we have in there that we don't cleanse, that we don't take time to clear out, it makes it harder for God or the universe to flow more abundance our way. And the sooner we clean that shit out, the sooner we can truly attract greater things. And the challenge is when you visualize that we, so many people have this clog and all these distractions and that pathway, and they never take time to clean it out and you wonder why certain things keep happening, that to me is the scary part, you know? That's so good. I um, I
0: had a mentor who put it to me early on in my transformational mm-hmm. process and my training to be a coach was that, hey, if you don't allow emotions and things to move through you, you block up like the pipe. And this metaphorical mm-hmm. pipe, they would say like, there was mm-hmm. this metaphorical pipe that ran through your body. And if you don't allow yourself to be and process sadness or anger, well, then the pipe gets clogged up and then the happiness can't go through either. And I really recognized in my life, you know, and it's funny. I thought this was a good thing. I was kind of like, I used to open up restaurants and bars for a living. And I was like really good at it partially because I was like a flat line. Like I could always keep my cool. I never got angry. I never got like, it was just calm always. So, you know, when you're, it was kind of like one of the things that made me really good was you can, you keep the ship steady, right? No matter how crazy it's going, I'm the steady voice that everyone can latch on and keep going forward. And at that, but the consequence, right? That's a, that's the benefit of it. The consequence of it was that was my whole life. I mm. didn't let myself get angry. I didn't really let myself get sad. If I did get angry or sad, I would find ways to like justify it or push it aside. But then I never got to be actually happy. Right. It was just all like this, like blah, like steady, just nothing. Um, And it's that same. I love I love how you kind of said it's a hose. It's like when I started to flush out that hose, Mm -hmm. let the anger come out healthily. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, don't just go start a fight, but like (laughs) let the anger come out in a way that doesn't hurt anyone else. Let the yeah. sadness come out not again, not in a way that hurts it. Don't let the sadness come out right here on this podcast with you. <laughs> That's not right like that but like allow time for it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I'm so much happier yeah right yeah. like the 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 benefit and the consequence like it all it all equates to something. I love that idea that you allow yourself to flush it out, and I do the same thing with having different practices and routines, yeah, yeah. let's. Let's talk a little about your, about your company. Cause the one thing I know about fashion and I only know this cause I have a friend who had a pretty successful fashion line for a moment in time. And then my brother tried to start a fashion line at one point um, okay. is fashion is like one of the most challenging industries in the world. Mm-hmm. And what, what I've learned and you can correct me if I'm wrong is that you're always like seasons ahead right you mm-hmm. can't like produce clothes for right now you're producing clothes for like two or three seasons down the road which yeah. also means that you're fronting financial investment for two or three seasons down the road and like you might not get that money back you know for however long so it's kind of like yeah. you've you're deeply invested and you're competing against people with giant names right that mm-hmm. can afford to float these things so when like the economy turns or something goes bad you know, a company, let's say like Calvin Klein is fine, mm-hmm. but a company, a smaller startup company can get hit really hard because, you know, if, if people are reducing their buying, well, then stores are reducing what they're bringing in and they're going to bring in what they consistently bring in,
1: not, you know, new things. Is this, is it, am I speaking, is this truth of the industry? No, what you're saying is hundred percent truth for most of the industry, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was one of my biggest hesitations about following my passion or even getting into this because before starting our company, I was a personal stylist for 10 years. Um, so when my friends were trying to convince me to start my own line, I was like, no, I'm not interested. It's super competitive industry and I don't like the shallow <laughs> stereotype things that come along with it. So I'd rather not go into it. But of course, you know, there's good and bad people in every industry. I don't care if it's real estate or, um, or or a restaurant business, there's uh, good and bad people everywhere. Uh, It's about who you are and what you make out of it. So for me, that was one of the biggest reasons why we chose not to go the fast fashion route. And when I say fast fashion, that's pretty much everything you see at the mall, at the big companies and things like that. Because fashion used to respect the seasons. You will have like uh, your winter line, your summer line, that's, we were producing clothes about four times a year. But now because of fast fashion, some of these companies are producing new clothes almost on a weekly basis. And the sad part about that is, is creating a great, uh, a serious impact, negative impact in the environment. Uh, whenever you get a chance, check out this uh, documentary called The True Cost. Uh, the True Cost talks about how destructive the industry has been. Uh, fashion now is the third, most wasteful industry in the world, next to like big industries like oil companies. Uh, so, I say all that to say for us, uh, we consciously chose from day one to not be in fast fashion to focus on more environmentally conscious um, products. So, therefore, we never throw excess products into landfills and things like that. So, mm-hmm. we focus uh, more on uh, made to order products. So we don't keep a massive inventory or anything like that, especially being a self-funded business at the beginning. Um, we didn't want to worry about that type of overhead that that took place. So for us, most of the items are made to order. We keep only a few samples and things on hand when someone wants something. Uh, and so that way we're able to really cater to a niche um, um, clientele. But I was OK with that. Of course, in the beginning, it's super intimidating because the fast fashion companies were starting and growing past us. (laughs) So at first as an entrepreneur, you're like, oh man, man, they're making so much money than us, you know, in the beginning. But when you have, for me, a vision um, where you want to be doing something long-term, like I want to be able to do this, see myself doing this uh, 20 years from now, it's super important to make sure that I'm in the right lane and I'm doing it for the right reason. So that is the longest answer to your question, but yeah.
0: (laughs) No, you're good. I think it's great that you talked about the impact of fashion too, because I actually, I don't know if I watched that documentary, but I did watch a documentary a few years ago where I learned about fast fashion, and I'm like Mm -hmm. the antithesis of fashion. I'm Mm -hmm. somebody... I took the other day when it comes to clothes or, or what we wear, I spend money on sunglasses, jeweler, men's jewelry, and, and new era baseball hats. Um, ah, nice. I, okay. right? like I don't, I don't own suits. I have okay. jeans that like I just wear and I have t-shirts like, but it's, it's kind of, it's pretty simple. I, I'm almost like a, a, a Steve jobs or a Dr. Dre. I wear the same thing every day. Um, okay. but so I don't, I don't think about this much, but when I saw that documentary, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't. Who knew that that not only is fashion like filling up landfills, but that the mm-hmm. the, the the toxins in clothes are going mm-hmm. into water in places like mm-hmm. India and mm-hmm. people are, are being born deformed and all sorts mm-hmm. of things that shouldn't exactly. be happening simply because of companies that are, to your point, like they have to produce new clothes like every week because yeah. of how competitive it is and whatnot. Um mm-hmm. Now, how does this impact? Right. There's something really cool about what you're doing in the sense of, hey, we do custom things. Mm -hmm. But that I like to think of anything that has a benefit also as a consequence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right. So what's the what's the biggest challenge you face as a small and like a smaller independent
1: company that is Mm -hmm. essentially has to do custom clothes? Yeah. The biggest challenge for us in the beginning was being okay that not all of our friends and family were our customers, (laughs) you know, because at first you're like at this price point, you know, you think that all your family and friends are going to support. They wanted to support a lot of them did, try to as well. But being okay, and so that was the challenge basically going to our right clientele from the beginning. And that took some time to build a relationship with the right clientele, working with executives or entrepreneurs, people that were willing to invest into their into their looks so in the beginning it was just a lot of networking working with even like real estate brokers and agents people that already have to look the part and they see the uh the investment worthwhile um and eventually now to working with people that are celebrities or that are on tv shows and being able to dress them for their events but a lot of patience, for sure, in the beginning. <laughs> so- let,
0: let, me ask, let me ask you about that, like kind of the nitty gritty of like how you built it. Because I know that, you know, as a coach, one of the things that comes up with a lot of my clients is, you know, they'll say like, this is the the kind of, you know, maybe they're in construction or they, um, they own a tech company or um, they're a lawyer, whatever they are, it doesn't matter. They all have clients, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about, well, where are the people that you want to find? Right. You Mm -hmm. said real estate agents. Right. Because real estate agents Mm -hmm. wear suits, I'm guessing. Right. They dress in a certain Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And then often we're kind of coming full circle to like mindset. Mm -hmm. They get stopped. Oh, I know that the people that I want to talk to are over there somewhere over there but then they're not talking to them. They don't know how. They don't know how to get over there. They don't know how to get introduced. They don't They don't know how to cold call or message mm-hmm. in a way that's authentic. Mm-hmm. How have you been successful in finding your clients and actually connecting with them, right? So it's not just another email that somebody deletes or another phone call mm-hmm. that somebody doesn't answer.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, so two part. One is, I've had or I had a corporate job for seven and a half years while building my business. Uh, I just went full time my business February of 2019. So I did not go full time on business right away. So what I would do for me, and you could appreciate this as a coach, is that I would get off my job, my corporate job at 5 p.m. And I will go to professional networking events from 6 to 9 p.m. almost twice a week. And I did that straight like no days off or whenever they they canceled an event. But I did that pretty much for the first two to three years of my business. That's how I met a lot of strategic partnership and um, people that really, because at those networking events, I would meet other professionals that were there for similar reason. But the beauty about it is they, uh, a lot of them only have a niche um, clientele. But for me, pretty much anyone that, uh, once to dress the part, whether it's for casual reasons or professional reasons, I can work with them. You know, it's just about what do you want to do to elevate your image? So that was step one. It's just being non negotiable about making those uh, commitments to connect with the right people, you know. Uh, and eventually, of course, alongside that, you have your social media marketing and things like that. But there's nothing that beats um, being able to meet someone face to face, sharing your story and connecting with them. Because you end up most likely building long-term relationships that way, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Because part of uh, how I even ended up in this uh, in this podcast is because of the mutual friend that we have. And if I hadn't been committed to different type of high-level marketings and I mean networking and things like that, I would have never met our mutual friend either. Because I've only met him, I uh, think. It's been maybe two months or less, two or three months, you know. Yeah, and it's it's pretty. You
0: never know, you never know like how who you're going to meet or where you're going to meet them, and the impact that it's going to have. Yeah, you know. I think about, I think about like if just if we just take a second and you think about your life. Mm-hmm. I, I was just up in in Los Angeles where I'm from, and I was mm-hmm. at a very good friend's 40th birthday party. Um, nice. and I've known him since we were like 15 mm-hmm. and I think back and I'm like, he didn't go to school with me. He went to a different school, but he went to a school with the people I was friends with mm. and I was friends with them. And then they introduced me to him and then him and I became friends. And now we, you know, we're talking what, 25 years, so, right, awesome. 25 years later, he's still one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. We do completely different things he's helped me in my business in certain ways. And I think like, uh, you know, I don't know if I've helped him in his business, but, um, but I know that I've been like a good friend and a good relationship uh, in a good relationship with him and his family. And when you think back, it's like, who would have ever known how that would have gone? And yeah. I've, he's, he's doing a really big business deal right now with someone who was my roommate in my twenties who I connected them. Oh, wow. And when you think about like this web, right? Like, I was like, it's not to say that the people wouldn't have accomplished things on their own, right? Like the guy that I introduced, like, of course, I'm sure he's talented. He would do something. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like, I went, to, I chose to go to a certain school and met a group Great. of friends and those friends introduced me to this guy and me and this guy became good friends. And then years later, I lived with this other guy and then mm-hmm. I connected them. And now, you know, 10 years after I connected them, now they're have this big, essentially this big uh, business deal that, that could be happening it's like you never know. But the yeah. only thing that is that makes it all possible is saying yes. Yeah, right? exactly. Like if exactly. I said no to introducing them, if I said no to meeting a new friend, if I said no to a networking event, if I said no, you know, yeah. I'm like sitting here talking to you. And I told you, I don't own any suits. Right. <laughs> I have to go. I have to go to two weddings. One, one in September and one in January. Um, <laughs> I'm going to need a suit. Right. Like, <laughs> but it, and that's just like a very simple, but if we yeah. say no to things, nothing yeah. becomes possible. Doors are just closed. When we say oh when we open the door and say yes, we have no yeah. idea
1: what's on the other side of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think it's a beautiful thing, man. I it used to I tried to try to basically understand it, how it happens and why it happens, but when I sit back and look at all those interesting connections that have happened because I was at the right place at the right time or I said yes to something. It's a beautiful thing, man. And now I just, uh, as I get older, I do my best to just stay committed to being as present as I can, no matter where I am, bro, because we all get busy. We all get these different distractions. But in the midst of being busy, I'm like, am I being present right now? You know what I mean? Just to remind myself throughout the day, because by doing that, even if I'm busy, maybe I'll just compliment someone. You know, you don't know what type of day that they're having, you know, so I'm trying my best to really, uh, embrace it and welcome it more because every time it happens, I literally laugh to myself. I'm like, wow, that's beautiful how that happened, you know? Okay. I'm
0: going to, I'm going to change our topic a little bit because I don't know why, but my (laughs) guts my gut said, ask you this, um, Mm -hmm. What's the hardest part about being you right now in the in the world that we live in? The finance, any, any, any aspect. There's so many dynamics to this. You can go any way you want. But what's the most yeah, challenging yeah. aspect of being you
1: currently? I'll give you two answers. I'll give you a personal answer and I'll give you a professional answer. Um The hardest part is. I don't know, man, because I'm just in flow right now, man. There's not too much of a heart for that, but I... I, I that can be it. Part.
0: That that can yeah. be it. Sometimes when I'm in flow, I'm like, that's the hardest part because I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I like it. I'm like, get stagnant. Like, things are so good. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. I think um, the thing, the challenge right now, I would say, is making sure that I don't go out of flow. What I mean by that is don't break away from the routines. You know what I mean? Because I get busier, whether it's working out, whether it's meditating, whatever it is, just making sure that I don't fall out of my routine. Um, But as far as professionally for my business, it was just initially um, convincing, um, which I don't do anymore, but was convincing people that Dressing the part is not only a timeless investment, but there's a reason why all of 007 movies, the guy is dressed like a gentleman, you know, like it will never go out of style, you know? And so that would be my professional. answer so for my, for my career is just initially, um, expressing to my clients that investing into yourself, it will always pay off because, it's a way of addressing yourself without saying a word, no matter where you go. You know, and for some people, it's okay because they want to hide below the radar, but being able to step into any room and demand the right type of attention without saying a word is an art within itself. You know. But as far as personally, uh, the biggest challenge was just accepting that there was nothing wrong with me and I could fully be myself. But now that I'm in flow, it's just protecting. That flow uh, and staying present because you know, and I know that uh, we live in a world full of distractions, you know. And if you're not intentional about how you want to feel or how you want to flow, for lack of better words, it's not going to happen. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake people make uh, in the way that they dress? Mm, good question. Um, trying to follow trends, trying to be what they see in the magazines. Um, I always tell my clients, my job is not to make you look like me. My job is to figure out what your goals are and to help you align with your goals and your intentions. But I see this so many times, uh, men or women, they go buy things because they saw in the magazine or because it's a brand name, just because something is brand name necessarily doesn't mean it compliments you. You know, it's about your style. Let's figure out what your thing is and let's compliment that.
0: That's so good. I mean, I, it's funny that you say that I, I recently, I, I always saw, this is a more casual, but I always saw men wearing Henleys and I was like, man, I wish I could wear a Henley. Like, I just felt like it didn't look right on me. Right. And, um, and then recently I like bought some from a brand that I never would typically buy from simply because they had like a, they were, have, they were having a sale and I was like, well, they're chi- It's cheap enough to give it another shot. And I put it on and my friend was like, dude, that looks nice. perfect. Right. But to your point where we to come again back to discomfort, mm-hmm. it felt uncomfortable. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I could see that it looked good, but it was also like more fitted and and like a little more kind of like I want to like, I guess would say fitted is the right word to to me than I'm used mm-hmm. to. okay and that made me uncomfortable but right my friend was sitting there and she goes no it literally looks perfect you're in your own mind about what's wrong with it but like I'm looking at you and I don't see that Mm. and and I want to take this a step further because her and I were having this conversation like a day later she put on an outfit and she's like do I look hot and I was like (laughs) it was like weird. I didn't know how to answer. Cause it wasn't that she didn't look hot. Mm-hmm. It was actually that her energy mm-hmm. about what, how she was like wearing what she was wearing and about going out was not hot energy. She was kind of okay. like not feeling that great that day. And she had to go out. And I was like, I mean, you look good. Like the outfit looks good, but like your energy is like off, right? Like you're not the, the, it's just like, you're just like, it, it was an interesting thing to notice. Cause it then made me reflect on, oh, what about when I put on clothes, right? I often, I don't wear suits because I don't like how I feel in them. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like me, Interesting. which made me think that's powerful. Maybe when I put on a suit, I'm doing what she's doing, right? Where it's not, mm-hmm. the, it's not that it doesn't look good. It's that my energy is like poopy basically. Mm-hmm. So then I, that's what I, when I look in the mirror, that's what I see. I see the energy, right. not just the clothes
1: or mm-hmm. the wing. That's powerful. That's so powerful. So let me tell you, just to be further honest, which is that I use it the complete opposite. I use clothes as an armor Mm because I was always the youngest around a lot of older people. So I initially dressed up to demand respect because I was super shy as an I was an introvert most of my life still am. I just have learned to (laughs) to get over it. But um that was the truth behind it. So number one, I did it for that reason, just to demand respect around older people. But now the days that I feel the shittiest, bro, that's the day I dress the sharpest. Because I use it to make yeah. me feel good because the compliments and the positive attention that I get from it ends up making me feel better and it ends up helping me have a better day. It's this weird game that I play with myself. No, I didn't. And- it's totally now like this innate thing that happens. So, of course, I'll naturally dress nice when I'm feeling good. But the days that I'm having the most chance, like you were talking about the thing that annoyed you yesterday. Something happened to me yesterday that kind of annoyed me. I was like, bro, forget it. I'm just going to dress sharp today. going will put some music on just to, sh-. you know, Tony Robbins talks about this all the time. Do something to to change your state, alter yeah. your state as much as you can. Yep. So I can't change what happened that annoyed the shit out of me. but I can change my state. And the way I change my state is either what the music I'm listening to, the people that I'm talking to, how I dress. So to me, it's just an extra tool and my toolkit to just make sure that I own my day, you know? So, and you, bro, I promise you, whenever we work together, it's going to be awesome because, um, I know that once you step into that, because I think the challenge is a lot of people think that they have to wear suits and Ties all the time. That's the challenge. But for someone like you, literally one blazer with your jeans and t-shirt could be all you need. You know, so yeah. <laughs> I so
0: I, I actually do that. That's actually my. I always laugh because when I do when when I go out like somewhat nice, I just put on a, a blazer, and people will go, "Oh, you clean up so nice!" And I'm going, "I'm wearing the same jeans, the same t-shirt. I just put a blazer on and some like not scuffed up shoes." Um, I always laugh at that. But I think there is something to say, like it's like how we were raised says so much, right. You dressing nice. Cause you were the youngest made you gave you that like sense of power. And you clearly like looked up to something that you thought gave you that. So you saw something that told you yeah. that meant that. And I remember growing up and I don't know why, but like that never was a thing for me. It was never suits were never a thing. There was always a, like, I've always had this thing that, like, I want to bring rock star mentality to every industry. Like, mm-hmm. a rock star isn't someone that plays music. A mm-hmm. rock star is an energy. Just like mm-hmm. James Bond is a character, but, like, that Bond mentality mm-hmm. of, like, mm-hmm. the classiness, the gentleman's mm-hmm. sophistication. Mm-hmm. And I think you can bring those things to everywhere. So, to me, it's like, um, you know who does this really well? It's the one brand that I, that I is, like, John Varvatos. Mm-hmm. John yeah. Varvatos brings like yeah. rock star mentality to like high fashion. That. Yeah, I can um, totally see that. Uh, but a lot of I think that to your point, as a as a as someone who you help design people, it's like you got to spot that, right? If mm-hmm. I come in and you try to dress me like a banker, nope, that's, I'm uncomfortable, right? I might have a it might be the best suit in the world. Mm-hmm. But i'm not a banker i don't want to look like yeah. a banker that's not i I don't even want like i don't i'm sorry but like this might sound but i don't want to look like a gentleman that's not mm-hmm. that's not who i feel exactly. like at the core there's more rebel yeah. in here there's more right yeah. so how do you put me in a suit and still let me feel authentic to who i am and i think exactly. that that's like the key
1: that i hear you talking about when you dress people yeah. or when people dress absolutely Um, uh, that leads me to One of the most positive things that's happened to us recently, which is to really cater to that experience is, um, you're actually the first public person that we were sharing this with, which is that, uh, we're opening our first boutique. We're going to do a grand opening on Saturday, August 21st. Um, the boutique is in Carmel mountain near Poway area where we intentionally did not want to do their normal retail experience this is more of a lounge you come sit down we talk about what your needs are you go through different fabrics so you can see the advantage uh, of each fabric we can do your measurements and build something for you that complements your lifestyle so this was a dream come true Um, my business partner and I've been thinking about this for a while because we really really didn't want to go again the popular route with retail and fast fashion we wanted to focus more on the experience that we can give people. So, but yeah, man, it's uh it's exciting.
0: That's awesome. I'll, I'll I would love to, you're, I mean, I, we didn't say this board both in San Diego. I would love, and Car- Carmel mountain is like not very far from yeah. where I am. It'll be a pleasure uh, to have you for sure. This is uh, this has been great. And like the time is flown as <laughs> flying by. What What else do you think, you know, what do you want people to know? What do you think is important in the in the world right now? I know but something we didn't touch on is like you faced a lot of challenges in 2020. Um 2019-2020 part of it is was just business challenges, part of it was the COVID which everyone experienced. <laughs> Is there any advice or anything that you can leave people with that are in that place too? business owners, people that face that are, you know, coming out of it on the other side and and now it's
1: like, how do they regrow, rebuild, you know, recuperate? Yeah, Yeah, I think it's similar to both the experience that you and I share, which is how to unclog that metaphorical hose or flow, you know, same thing that your mentor shared with you and same thing that I'm doing my best to apply is how can we share that with the world, you know, because I don't want people to wait until something negative happens to your health or for you to lose a job or something traumatic to happen for you to pause and, and, and really do that cleanse, you know, for whatever it means for you, you know? I'm. Uh, so I think um, you are your best investment, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. So I think it, I encourage people to take that time. Okay. That's fine. You can't, you know you may not have a lot of time but maybe just start with 15 30 minutes a day to just focus on you and do something to just stay still and do something for yourself because once you gain that glare, that greater clarity that's when things flow more effortlessly and you can truly step into whatever your your gift may be you know because i think the world needs more people that are authentic the world needs more people that are that are stepping into their gift Because when you're in that element, like this conversation, it doesn't feel like work to me, (laughs) you know, like this is not work. I'm just talking to a like-minded individual and talking about how to make a positive impact in the world. This is not work, you know, but it's on my calendar, it's work. (laughs) Mine
0: too, I feel you.
1: (laughs) You know, so I don't know if you want to add to that, but I feel like that's one of the commonalities that you and I have shared so far. And I feel like the world could definitely use more of that, especially coming out of this pandemic right now, you know?
0: Yeah, the only thing I would, I love that you said it doesn't feel like work. That's the thing I would add is, mm-hmm. you know, people say like, you know, if you find what you love, it you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that in the sense of it's still work, right? We still have to show up here. There's still discipline. There's still persistence. There's yeah. still like, you know, when you're building something like this, I love, I started podcasting cause I love it. I-, I didn't know I would love it in the beginning, but it's fun, but it yeah. doesn't make money. This isn't a money banking venture, but it's, as- but it's an arm of my business. And yeah. it's, even though it doesn't feel like work to your point, it mm-hmm. still is work. And I think that yeah. it's not about like, if you find your passion, I'll never work a day in your life. It's like, if you find what you're passionate about and you do it, you'll enjoy yes the work that you'll do you'll enjoy the exactly. You'll enjoy your creative process you'll yeah. you know like I even think about this with reading I read a ton of books but if in the first 50 pages the book sucks I'm not going to keep reading it why am yeah. I going to like mm-hmm. like my to our point our time is valuable my life mm-hmm. the experience of my life is all I have mm-hmm. whether I'm working or leisure how do I Enjoy the process, even when the process is hard or challenging, right? Like how do you yeah. I don't know make it a game or find the value in it? I love what you you started this conversation earlier about talking about how the challenges you faced as a kid are like the things that made you who you are now, and you see it yeah. on the other side, and I think that can be you know working out isn't always fun, but can you get excited <laughs> about the results that' you're, you're working towards, or can you get excited about the way you're gonna feel when you're done? Um, yeah. Mo, thank you so much for for being here, for um, for sharing some of your personal journey, um, talking about your business, your your life, you know the tough things you faced and overcome. Um, yeah. I want to tell people where they can find you and your you know your your cloth your your clothing line, which I'm going to spell it for people. Uh, your website is M E R A K dot com, and if they go there they can see you know the menswear women's wear there's like suits dresses you bridle you do things made i love it made to measure there's casual wear and then you even have the um the lounge that uh it's not open yet but it's coming um yeah that they'll be able to check out. Is there anywhere you want them to people you want to offer people to follow you like on social media or is it like, just go to the website?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm easy to find. You can even go Google Mo Sase. say, um, first name M O last name, C I S S E. But, um, all of the social media handles under my name Mo say, and the company's social media is under Maraki Lord. And she spelled it earlier. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Mo. <laughs> Please today, go find some cake, get it, eat it it too. Give somebody else a cake, tell them to eat their cake. Everyone listening, go get your damn cake, eat it too. Eat it in front of people, inspire people to get their cake and eat it too. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream And I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram.
1: You are a Dream Mason because your dreams don't build themselves.